Welcome to General Depravity. short story about a short story. Once the great musical talent Leonard Cohen said, uh, uh, paraphrasing, sometimes you feel like you're meant to do something and then you realize that the real mandate, the greater mandate that required more cor- more courage was to give up on that, you know, that supposed idea you had, that sort of dream you were supposed to follow, and start something anew in another direction. And that particular segment, that's just something I'm so glad I got around to, I'm so glad I heard, because it talks about, you know, the convolution of the human mind. I've got a 99-track mind, and none of them are going anywhere particularly interesting. So it's just this cityscape with all these, you know, screwed up, uh, inefficient, ineffective road systems twisting and curving everywhere that doesn't ultimately help anything. It probably impedes traffic. And that's sort of been my mental state. So I had written a short story like five years ago, and it was just in my psyche. It was just in my garage, like a old Chevy project that I was working on. It's got the cover on. It's just collecting dust. I haven't even looked at it in five years, you know. But it was brilliant five years ago. At least I thought it was going to be brilliant. That was gonna be ingenious. This is gonna be the greatest short story ever written. But it wasn't so. Because I abandoned it. You know, I'm like, oh, I get around to it. I got six pages in. It probably didn't need any more than ten. But it's been in the back of my head, like, I've gotta finish this. I've gotta, I've gotta see it through, you know? Start something and you finish it. That's the hard-headed mentality. But that wasn't the case. The, the greater idea was... Because I looked at it recently. And then you read it, and then I realized I don't even like short stories. I haven't read any short stories. I like... I've read maybe three that I can recall. I've, I've never even read a book of short stories. I've never even read a book of poems that I can... You know, maybe once. 
and uh, twice if you count my own. Maybe one, maybe a couple pages here and there of poems. I don't like short stories. They suck. They're, they're generally not that interesting. You know what kind of short story I really like? Like Back to the Future Part 1. That's a good short story that I can read with my eyes. And it's good because it's, it's done quickly, just like a short story. And if it's not a short story, you know what else I can do? I, I could read another book with my eyes in the form of a TV show that's 22 minutes, which is what, you know, short story length is anyway. I mean, as Igmar Bergman once said, cinema is both the most willing, if not unwieldy, of all media. It's most willing media. And he was probably right. It's probably evolving into a new era where video games are going to be the next art form that are even more elaborate and interactive. But short story, I mean, come on. You're going to spend 26 hours. Like a, like a long story isn't good either. No short story is any good. But then the long stories, people don't even care. This country produces 200,000 books a year. So if you have no marketing strategy, you are a dim-witted twat if you think your book has any chance of success. It has almost virtually no chance. You gotta build up an audience, do advertising somehow, or have that forehand, or have some sort of name to back you up. Not that I was thinking about any of this stuff anyway, but just the idea of books, you know, it's a bit bothersome because there's so many out there, and I would have to imagine most of them are not any good, but because anyone can write a book, all you need is a, I mean, the whole computer came out 30 years ago or so. So since then, anyone who had a book dream could have made it happen. But what was it going to say, you know? 26 hours of Moby Dick and how he interacts with the sea and the whale. You know, I could get on a boat and I'll just pretend that there's a whale I'm trying to harpoon. And, and you know, in the pond. The, the nearest pond to my location. I need to read fucking Moby Dick. But apparently it's funny, which to me makes it more intriguing. I mean, I suppose you always assume that because of the name Moby Dick. It's kind of ominous. What is Moby? Is Moby the whale? Wouldn't it be M Moby Dork? Because... That means whale dick, uh, penis, I think. So maybe they got the title wrong. They didn't even typo their own front cover of Moby Dick. <laughs> A huge typo on the, on the front cover. No respect for literature. I'll just read news articles and keep up to date with whatever pseudo jargon philosophy presents itself to the General consciousness next. You're not gonna learn anything from any of that shit. 
You know where you do learn from? You know where you do learn from football? Because that's where the real masses are at. That's what the real masses do. They engage in tribalism. They chant like lunatics in their sport that's an ode to war. That's still in the residual generic psyche of everyone, you know, the last fucking hundred years, thousand years. That's what the people like. That's what the people do. That's the sport that the people follow. So is that not more worthy of studying if you want to learn about what actually is reality and the human condition than any of this other stuff? I mean, it's something interesting to ponder. I don't know. Some people devote their entire lives to weather patterns or, you know, how to stop floods from destroying a city. And that's all great and noble. But you do got to wonder, if you truly want to be on pulse and intelligent, you have to engage in the things that are popular, at least to the level of understanding them. And all those things are fucking horrific. So yeah, no book is successful. There's no, there's been no successful poetry or, um, or short storyist that I can think of in the, you know, in the recent, uh, times. And on the other hand, you know, you just wait until someone releases a book where it's like, uh, nine chapters long and they're each a thousand pages and it's called Lord of the Harry Potter assholes. And then it becomes this saga across nine chapters and it takes, you know, nine movies when they eventually adapt it so you don't have to watch it anyway. I mean, read it anyway because it's going to be available to watch. Uh... So it's like, why, why bother? If it's any good, <laughs> it'll be a movie. And you know, what I do is I'll just find an author that's interesting and I'll listen to their Google talk, which they explain everything interesting that was in the book anyway. But yes, there are a few specific specialized area could do. You could read a valid book on and learn something from. But for the most part, everything's being adapted to video now, more or less. And you're sort of left behind if you're reading. If you decided to just read a hundred books, unless you have a special reading technique, you know, and that time might be better spent, you know, even listening to an audiobook, definitely a podcast or a, some sort of TV medium about the same subject, which almost certainly exists. So where was I going with this whole thing? So, yeah, I went and I looked at my old story that was going to be the greatest story ever. 
And this is what it was about. It was about a female protagonist from the future. But she starts off the story, she's just like, This is a work of fiction. Don't take this shit seriously, man. Right? So, so right off the bat, you're breaking down the fourth wall. Self-reference. And, uh, and she talks about the present state of the, you know, the world she's in. To, it's dystopian. The government has overreaching powers. She says she works for the government, but doesn't everyone? Um, and she talks about her life. She talks about her husband, who is a character, um, probably subconsciously me, because he's, uh, you know, a deluded fuckhead who's withdrawing. Every day, for every second and every minute of every day, he's just withdrawing at the misery of being alive. So he's that character. He's a stern guy who doesn't want kids. And he's only told in flashbacks because he's dead. But she has a wish to procreate, or at least she did while he was still alive. But there was a conflict. Because there was mass suicide and panic in the streets as the government wanted to make death illegal because society had progressed. They were injecting people with syringes full of liquid metal looking substance, which would cause their veins to glow a faint blue. You know, to keep them, you know, nano machines inside their body immortal, you know, mortalizing them in a sense, you know, and first it was for the rich, and then it was for the middle class, and then it was for everyone else. The cure. But, just because we have technological advancement, doesn't mean we're going to have any sort of moral growth that correlates to it, let alone, you know, eclipses it let alone we ever be morally ahead of ourselves than we are of our technology. But we're not, you know, we're just fucking, we're just, we're just primates, we're just apes who manage to build technology and bombs that destroy the world, uh, or at least all human life, in relatively no time, not to mention disturb all other life forms on the planet and all those species. And cause, you know, massive chaos and, and a nuclear winter and, you know, until things eventually step up and get better in a couple hundred, two hundred thousand years. So, that's the basic framework for the story. She was a science lady. She couldn't have a kid, but at some point she confesses to her husband She's always harbored a secret wish to have a kid, but he's, uh, the grim, cold, and uncaring. And as the government wants to immortalize everyone, you have to do this huge weight of what is the value of human life. This psychological question mark, you have to tell yourself, is this good or bad? 
should we have the right to choose you know our own life uh, whether we exist or don't because suicide right now is illegal uh, even if you're in extreme pain and suffering and death is a certainty you can't kill yourself but uh, there's one state where you can't and there's a documentary about it called how to live in Oregon try don't recommend I was gonna recommend but now it's fucking miserable it's the worst thing you'll ever watch not only is it miserable to see these people at the end of their ropes willfully dying in front of their friends and family but then you got other cunts who want to dictate this other people's lives and if you want to if you have that impulse to want to keep people alive and dictate it in the sense of you know whatever but when they are clinically diagnosed sentenced to suffer loss of their you know motor functions and bowel movements and incredible pain and taking doses of drugs at high levels constantly if you're for no leeway on that you're sort of kind of maybe a dim-witted fucktard but um he wa he wanted the couple the husband in my story to go out like Romeo and Juliet. So that wasn't going to happen because she got herself fixed in secret, injected. She was going to become immortal. And all that that implies, become a vampire, all that horrific, uh, whatever. So, as the government's, you know, ever closer to getting around to everyone, while every day in the news there's this, you know, a mass suicide and protest of people who don't want the sole discretion of whether they live or die at the hands of the government. Um, comes time for him to make a choice. So, he has to write a very reasonably minded suicide note. And when I wrote this suicide note, it was about a page long. It was very Good, but you got to put yourself in the mindset of a suicidal person to write a suicide note for a story. So it's a very weird thing to do. It's, it's a very tricky and kind of difficult thing to do. Because you got to basically face how you would feel if you actually had to write one. And of all the years I've been writing, I always feared that something I wrote would get deleted. And I'm like, and I finished it, and then my computer shut off, erasing the entire, you know, fake suicide note. <sighs> you know how depressing it is? That's the first and only thing you've ever written and lost. Is your suicide note. And so you have to rewrite your suicide note from scratch and try to, from memory. 
typing up a second suicide note. Imagine this probably been someone on the planet. You know, it's so big. It's someone probably, you know, their computer ran out of battery like mine did. And then the computer shut off. I got no warning, by the way. There's no battery warning. And, you know, they finished their suicide note. And then, you know, the computer shuts down. And they got to deal with it. You know, they're probably like, oh, especially fucking now. Fuck life now. I'm going to write a second suicide note. However, I could kill myself. Uh, you know, that was their original intent. And they'd probably do it. That's just what happens when we live in a world with so many people and so much diversity and so much lack of clarity is that that probably is something that happened to someone. So I rewrite my suicide note. Probably not as good nearly. I make it longer, like a page and a half for my story. I explain how she found his suicide note. And... And, you know, and his reasons in a world of eternal life, eternal suffering is soon to follow. That was sort of the logic. But, you know, it was a lighthearted suicide note. It was like, listen, man, this saying it's too serious. Let's not, let's not get too whatever, you know. It's just fucking existing versus not. No big deal. It's just, uh, whatever. I didn't even explain how he did it. I don't know how he killed himself. I don't know how this character, who was probably loosely based on me, because I don't really have any ideas, you know? I looked into it once, just as, a, like, I want this in the back of my head for uh, future purposes. Like, like you know, if you're, if you're in a rut, like, in a tough situation... You're being chased down by gangsters, and you need, a, like, a quick, easy, painless way to go. This could be some useful information. So I looked it up, and I'm thinking, okay, if you do the car and the tailpipe thing, that's pretty easy. But then I'm like, no, it's not easy. It's EPA laws now, and it's tricky, it's complicated, it might be suffering. And But the thing that really ruined it was if you kill yourself by a car... Yeah, I think someone wrote, your body, your skin turns blue. I don't know if it's an oxygen. Like, like, death, death isn't that bad, but I don't want to die and turn blue. I mean, I mean, that's why I killed myself, right? Because I was sad and blue. It'll literally be blue. Someone's going to find me in a field somewhere in a car, and they'll be like, oh, man, it's another blue one. It's all life ahead of him. He really blew it. But in all this morose meandering, so I'm revisiting my story. It doesn't even really have an ending. It's something to do with, like, she gets chosen. She she gets really edgy and nihilistic, so she's like, I'm going to kill myself, but it's going to be the government who does it because they're doing tests. Because now that they've mastered immortality, they want to branch out into the afterlife and see what's possible there. And what is possible there? Well, you see in 360 panoramic. And other life forms, I don't know what they look like. Maybe prisms or something. I didn't even write it. 
and they exist in pink clouds because that's what I imagine a woman would want to see. <laughs> and, you know, just a cotton candy land type scenario. So, so she does that, but she also has access to, uh, time manipulation. And, uh, she knows that time runs sort of concurrently. You could have several timelines within the context of one, you know, area interlapping. It's interdimensional, whatever that means. So, her actions wouldn't necessarily destroy the future, because in a way they were always happening. But she was viewing them, you know, but we just experienced life from beginning to end. This is saying that life is happening all at the same time. I don't know if that's true. I mean, who gives a shit? But it worked for the story. So, um, yeah, um, so what she does to affect the future, um, is go back all the way to the past, which is the present day. She uses her ability to travel through time to send the story you are reading into the present day, which, you know, is a very urgent and influential time period in history. The present always feels that way. So she did that. Uh, and then it's basically like, don't take this too seriously after all, period. You want to be careful about the impact you have on the future. And after all, it's only fiction. So it ends on this meta note. But that's sort of almost maybe kind of tangible. Then from there you can just market it. You get a time capsule. Something that looks like it was from uh, the movie Alien. You, you use geocaching or something. You know, plant a few of them. A lot of them. Tell people about the story. And then it becomes a viral sensation. And don't even write down the name. And say, that's why the story had to be so vague. And these are the deluded fantasies I had. Like, you know, some viral marketing campaign for my shit story that I don't even want profit from. But just to see what would happen. And then, you know, you could just put it anywhere. Uh, public bathrooms, uh, under a park bench. You know, wherever, wherever you felt. Just, just wrap it up in a bag. And, and that's how fucking deranged and delusional I was back when I was writing it. These were other, like, you know, just miscellaneous ideas floating around in my head. How do I make this story 
larger than life. And uh, that sort of meta-commentary is too complicated and confusing for me to ever pull off, which is why I decided to talk about it in a podcast instead. But, I mean, I looked through it only yesterday, last night, actually. I mean, and the day before. I read through the story, I, I made some edits. I'm like, is this salvageable? Is there anything here? But it was more, you know, now it's more like the Leonard Cohen idea of learn to let things go. It's not working. Be brave and have confidence. You'll have another idea that isn't, you know, that isn't, you know, past its due date. It still has some life you could pump into it. Uh, and even... Last night, I was trying to rewrite it. I started in the kitchen. I'm on, I'm on the table. I decide to rewrite the story. This time in all caps, I'm going to be like, this is utilitarian. This is just going to be a script. It's going to be, um, instruction manual. It's going to be all uppercase, direct, to the point. I rewrote it in a different style more efficient and by the end of the night I'm in my bed in my bed like a pretentious twat at what must have been two in the morning I have the laptop on my chest and I'm typing in bed like I'm Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart in Amadeus like I'm, I'm, I'm on my deathbed acting like this story could ever be good like this could be important and you think you've changed, but it's like, no, you haven't really changed. If you still think this story is going to happen, you had your time to write it, procrastinated, and now it's fucking dead. It's not salvageable. But yeah, you know, when he's, you know, when Mozart's writing in bed and Solieri is egging him on, but he knows it's going to kill him to write this, you know, his magnum opus. He's like, yes, complete it. And he's just dying. And then he's like smiling at his death, but also at the brilliance of the music. That's what I was doing. And then uh, at one point, you're like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write any more of this. I'm gonna delete it. No one's ever gonna see it. And I'm gonna be very happy with my decision. I wish I could delete it twice. I mean, I wrote it twice. I wrote even the suicide note twice. I want to burn it twice. I want to, I want to print it out and burn it underneath some Blair Witch type wood stick contraption in my backyard. Just so I will remember to remember not to do anything as stupid as this again and waste my time. And that was my idea for In the Next World and everything that went along with it. I am no short story writer. But if this episode was any good, I might be a decent short storyteller. And the interesting part about this is that this is the second time I'm recording this. 
until next time. Oh,